two and two and one. Oh, shucks, I can't dance. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Open Gov, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like. My name is Richard Pietro, and today I am joined by Manjit Bassi. She is a coach, learning facilitator, shift disturber, and the co-founder of the Ottawa-based Citizens Academy. It is a community organization whose mission was to create space and inspiration for citizens to change the city they live in. Now, I said was because the Citizens Academy rebranded a few years ago into Synapse City, which fosters a similar mission. And today, Manjit will tell us the journey on how the Citizens Academy was created and why it was rebranded into Synapse City. Hello, Manjit, and thanks for joining us. Hello, Richard. Um, Well, thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, the pleasure's all mine. So let's get right to it and begin at the beginning. When was the Citizens Academy born and what was the catalyst behind its creation? Gosh, it really actually started in 2010. Um, Well, we had no, oh, how would I say? Really no idea that this was actually going to happen. But a colleague of mine and friend of mine, Ken Victor, um, a fellow sort of um, a leadership change management person I'd, I'd worked with before, said, I think we need to go down to Syracuse and mm. take a look at this really neat um, thing that this woman, Chucky Holstein, is doing down there. And I was very intrigued. And I can tell you a little bit of the backstory of that afterwards, why I was intrigued, but that's how it started. So in the fall of 2010, we drove down to Syracuse um, and we took part in one of their sessions there. And so Chucky had founded this organization called Focus Syracuse. And part of it was running, funded actually by the municipal government, something called a Citizens Academy. And we went and sat in on this beautiful session and um, we drove back literally um, uh, the next morning and we couldn't stop talking. Like we were just fired up. Um, We were fired. And why you might say, why were you fired up? We were fired up, not even at the aspect or the name of something that was called Citizens Academy, but we were fired up um, about the exchange that took place. You know, there's, there's, um, there were like, um, how would I say there was like a government official there, there was somebody from the private sector. And there was somebody from like uh, a civil servant, sort of, and and I think there was someone also from um, an NGO. And they were discussing, I don't even know, I think it was waste or garbage disposal or something, you know, really just some not silly, but very basic subject. And then there was a group of like maybe 30, 40 citizens sitting in that room. But the dialogue, the discourse was so respectful. There was just such a beautiful synergy and exchange of ideas that was happening that we wanted to dig a little bit deeper into like why or what made that possible. So we spent a little bit of time with Chucky and um, and yeah, we were driving back and we were like, that's so what we need. We haven't seen that kind of public discourse taking place at the city level 
let alone at a federal or provincial level, um, you know, and, and, and in terms of that real deep connection that can be built or the kind of open dialogue um, that's, that's really listening well to one another between citizens and between government and between public servants, you know, and between sectors. So, you know, I think that was, that was, it wasn't the start of our Citizens Academy by any means, Richard, but it really fired us up. And if I just take a couple of, if you have a couple of minutes to say, you know, so why this interest? I guess the origin story would go way back for, for me anyways. For me personally, it was, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I was a part of a business called The Body Shop, but back in its heydays in the 90s, you know, we were trailblazers in terms of our commitment to creating social change through business. And so with my, all of my experiences there and our advocacy work and, and bringing literally government, citizens, business, and et cetera, together to create change, I always felt that there had to be some way, you know, of, of, of doing um, change that way and inspiring change. And, and then Ken and I had also worked as co-facilitators at a community leadership program here in Ottawa. And I had been on the founding board of that. And the concept there was, again, how do we build the next generation of community leaders who will really steward our cities? Um, so that's going way back, um, perhaps, you know, but, but really it was just, it was in our um, DNA to really be interested in how we create these kind of shifts, I suppose. And... Then in 2011, I started whispering to people in the community. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, whispering. I would, I, I would sort of say, "Hey, thinking about this idea, would you join me?" You know, and people would say, "No, you're crazy." <laughs> you know, why would you want to do that? And then there were three wise women. I always like to say, who said yes. And um, then in 2011, the fall of 2011, we really sort of started to, to go, okay, if we're going to do this, you know, how are we going to do this? Um, but but um, I'll stop there and see where you want to go, I guess, because I could go on, you know, and on. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job so far. So it's almost like, you know, you're a train. Just keep plowing if you feel like if you're on a roll, keep going. But I do want to ask you a question real quick. You mentioned that it was sort of part of your DNA to be a community organizer, civic organizer. Are you finding that with all the people that you've met in your life working in this sort of space, that more often than not, these hardcore community organizers, it's more than just an interest. It's, it's like a calling. Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, perhaps it is. But, you know... Interestingly enough, I don't know if I'm a community organizer, you know, and that's the calling. I think my calling for me is, is change. Like, I love to see change happen, um, and especially when it's change for the common good, right? So for, for, for um, and I really think that it's possible. The other thing I would say about the, all the folks that I've met, like, even through this whole experience of of, of, you know, creating change through business, but also creating change through an organization such as, um, you know, Leadership Ottawa in the past or in, in with Synapsity, um, Citizens Academy Synapsity, you know, <laughs> you know that it had a brand name change, yes. And when I meet people, what I always find is that I think there's a deep, deep wanting or yearning to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. 
that's how I would put it. So whether it's becoming a community organizer or something else or working as a public servant or, you know, an entrepreneur or whatever, but, but there is a sense of community. I mean, we are social beings. We are so human beings are social and we need this connection to something bigger. I think, um, you know, People can contradict me and say, no, human beings are just damn selfish or whatever, whatever. But I have always found that there is this, you know, deep wanting to be in community and do some good in small or large ways. And I think that's what the power of what we created and and still going was, was that people actually came together in a way that they felt that they were empowered, that they were learning, that they could actually take action to make their neighborhoods or their cities a better place. And, you know, um, and that was, that was pretty, pretty critical. And that's actually what the power of Synapsity was right from the beginning was that it was built by the people for the people, literally. Um, You know, it was a very, very organic growth process and people actually felt that it belonged to them, that it was theirs to do something with and to do something. And then that sense of belonging for, for the organization actually led to, to them, you know, feeling that they could be change agents, whether it's in their own just, you know, backyard or whether it's actually for their neighbor or in their neighborhood or in their, for their city. Right. So, um, and that, and that's an incredibly powerful space to be able to create for people. You're absolutely right. Shared ownership is very important in any sort of large civic movement. Um, but I do want to go back to Synapse City and, and some of the, those early days. You had mentioned the three wise women and how they were yes ladies, in this case, that helped you out. But you, you brought this idea to a lot of people that also said, no, you're crazy. And I want you to talk a little bit about that, that stage of essentially bringing this, this Syracuse concept that you had seen and witnessed into Ottawa, some of the difficulties, were there any kinds of adaptations that had to be made, refining the concept to, to match what you and perhaps these th- three wise women uh, had in mind for, for what, what it would look like in Ottawa and, and how the original seed changed? So let's talk about that a little. So let me name my three wise women, our three wise women. Uh, It was uh, um, Judith Maxwell, who is like, has been a rock star in public service and and, and headed the, um, gosh, I'm never, Canadian Policy and Research Network, I think. And I I never, (laughs) um, Carolyn Andrew, who was the head of governance at the, of the Institute of Governance at the University of Ottawa, and Maureen Malott. Um, who was the dean at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton. So they, um, and I had, and I had certain, um, you know, I had been on, sat on different boards with them um, uh, at, at the community level here. And I just knew their backgrounds just enough to know that they cared deeply about what our city looked like, basically. And so they said, yes. And then when we came together, I think we, we definitely, first of all, we made the Citizens Academy, you know, here very much our own um, because we, we, we had great visionary ideas of what we wanted it to be. And, you know, a lot of it was around, sure, some kind of, you know, literacy or education about how a city works. But we also were holding um, on to the idea of public discourse in general. 
how we needed to change that. Then we were also holding on to this sort of concept of what does citizen engagement look like. Then we were also holding on to the, the idea of just citizen engagement in terms of just civic action, but then also this relationship, you know, that citizens have with their local government. And local government was very important to us because, you know, we thought, wow, this is the place we reside. So we thought that, you know, how do we bring all of this together? So we would chat it about us amongst ourselves about what we thought we could do and what we could do. But then our whispering, right, began with, with a lot of other people. I think one of the most important things that I think we did is we did um, a community consultation. I will say a community consultation, but really a conversation in a church basement. You know, I mean, we had no resources. We were completely volunteers and we had this idea. And so we said, well, we have to ask the community what they wanted. And that's when we really did. It was a deep learning process and listening process for us because we heard things like, you know, people thought we were going to do things that were already being done um, by certain other NGOs. We heard public servants telling us, well, it's their job to do this, right? Um, An academy for citizens, right? Our job is to teach people. Uh, why is it yours? Um, we had politicians who were thinking that we were building activists, right? And then there was also those who said, sort of said, you can never change the system. So why are you going to try to change the system, right? So, so there was all of these things that we were hearing. And we really then had to go back and into ourselves after listening and learning from, from doing a few of these conversations. And we really, as I said, brought in a huge diversity of people. We, we honed our message a little better, too, because what we realized was that we were about cross-pollinating. We were not going to be about a specific socioeconomic group. We were not going to be about a certain gender, because a lot of those programs did exist. We weren't going to be place-based in a certain neighborhood. So what we realized was that we had to really show how perhaps we would be integrating all the work that had already been done by local champions and then taking it to perhaps another level that we could break through the silos. So I think that was a critical piece for us was how do we break the silos of the sectors, silos of the neighborhoods, the silos of the socioeconomic barriers that people are feeling um, and cultural um, you know, silos as well. And I think that's when we honed that message And we didn't know what it was going to look like yet. We had no idea what a Citizens Academy was going to look like, but we started to hone that message and then more people started to say yes. Then we ran ran some pilots. Um, You know, we we literally sort of said, let's host three conversations, two in English, one in French, and see what happens. So you've taken time to get some inspiration from Syracuse. You've brought the idea back to Ottawa had a bit of a jam session and refining the concept with the three wise women and, and a group of people and politicians. And now you have something like a foundation to go forward. Um, talk about that from that stage forward, starting to set up the programming, securing funding, which I believe you had, um, and, and talk about more the, the mechanics and the logistics of actually now executing. Yes, okay. So first, let me say, I love the fact that you're using the three wise women. I wonder how Judy, Carolyn, and Maureen are going to feel about that. Um, Ken and I always used to refer to them that way. Uh, yeah, it, it, um, so it became more than just a jam session for them, right? Like, I mean, we, the five of us became the heart and soul of, of really putting 
um, um, Synapsity or at that time, Citizens Academy, you know. Sorry, the gem session was in reference to your little uh, yes. basement session with uh, right. the community. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. I should have been more clear. No, it, because, you know, it, it, it literally was in um, our kitchens. <laughs> like yeah. we would have meetings in our kitchens. We would use our office spaces at home and we just started to, to build this. And um, yeah, so I think the, the, the biggest turning point for us was after um, we, we decided we needed to sort of do some practice pilot sessions. We had no money. We were all volunteers. So we, um, I made an application to the Awesome Foundation, right? Oh, and we got $2,000. That was our first money that we received, right? So ever grateful to them because it was such an intangible project, right? And that helped us to deliver these three sessions where, again, all the panelists, everyone was volunteers. And then what happened from there was that we had like 70, 100 people show up. That was the magic. That was the clicking point where we thought we got something here. People want something. And then um, we put in our own funding. So what we did is the five of us came together and we decided on an amount, put in a dollar amount each to go to go. Now we've got to do the next step. Um, and then um, from there, where we went is um, we got, we made some grant applications. So we got um, a beautiful anonymous donor who gave us money through the Community Foundation of Ottawa. Um, and that grant came over um, a couple of years, actually. We got funding from the Mutart Foundation, and, and anyways, and, and the Metcalf Foundation. So we got some small amount of funding. We all still remained volunteers. And um, what we did is we offered a boot camp um, uh, through volunteering. Like we, we actually did it all volunteer, right? So, so, so most of that money came after the first boot camp. But what was interesting was, and this I have to share is because there's hundreds of people who contributed to this. We actually in 2012 decided, well, what does an ideal citizen look like? And we asked citizens what an ideal citizen looked like. And out of that, we took this to, again, advisors, different people around the city and said, if people think an ideal citizen is this, then what do they need to know? And then that's when we came up with the idea that we needed a civics boot camp. We knew we didn't have money to do every single thing and every major department of how a city takes care of. But to be that ideal citizen, we came up with three, which is what our advisors and the community said, that it had to be about governance. How does the city actually work? And then where are the powers? Where are the relationships? The second was how does the budget work? How do you actually influence where the city spends money, right? Um, and the third was definitely land use planning and the built environment because mm -hmm. that place is what makes city. So that, and then we actually set up curriculum committees that were led by citizens. So citizens actually, you know, we, we did the, we brought in the research or we brought in different things. So we were the connective tissue, but citizens actually set up these curriculum um, committees and the whole curriculum was developed in 2012 and um, the spring of 2013. And then when we finally got some funding from the applications came through from some foundations, we launched our first civics boot camp in 2013. And that program, of course, is the core program that's always existed for Citizens Academy and now Synapsity. And it has grown and it's gotten stronger and stronger and um, um, a very, very you know, powerful experience for people. And very different than what we had originally seen in Syracuse, because what we wanted to do was bring some, some form of 
project planning and um, actual civic action in there. So it was education, it was discourse, it was citizens' ideas of projects they wanted to implement in their city. Um, it was them pitching these ideas to local people in the community from a vast variety of sectors so that they could get input from all of the different sectors. Um, so really quite powerful experiences for people. I remember, I believe I attended one of the boot camps and I, was, I remember being extraordinarily impressed with the integration that the boot camp was with the city itself in terms of the ideas that were being generated were alongside the public servants and not just sort of public servants that are, say, for example, the open data team. We were talking about like, you know, garbage collection or something along those lines. It was very much like you were saying, public servants that are part of your everyday life, parks and things of that nature. And, and I want you to talk a little bit about how you were able to foster those relationships. And, and I think that's one of the problems a little bit with many civic engagement exercises in that they're done in a bit of a silo with like-minded individuals. We have this great idea. We're going to try and put a plan together, but we can't actually have our conversation with the city or the province or the country or whatever to, to execute on it. Talk a little bit about that integration that you guys were able to manage with the boot camp with the city. Going back to, to, to you know, something we talked about earlier, there were detractors within the city. Don't get me wrong, right? But then there were these amazing people who were like, yeah, we need to do something differently, right? And we're so glad, like, so, so, and, and happy about it. And then there was obviously people in the middle who just weren't quite sure, you know, but what our agenda was. I think that was interesting, right? Because it's, it, although we all want our city to look fantastic and be great for everybody, right? At the root, I think any of us in whatever sector who are doing this work, we believe this, but somehow, right? Traditional ways of coming together or how the system is in a way broken, if I can say, right, in some ways, um, actually showed up in what we were trying to do because somehow, at the, you know, we were found to be polarizing, right, which is literally um, a symptom of exactly what we were trying to, you know, find a solution to, right? So yeah. it's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> um, and, and so this was really interesting I, I remember for me having those conversations going, oh my God, but I have no agenda, except I just want the city to be a better place, right? But interestingly enough, because of that individualistic society we talked about, people couldn't always buy that. They were like, you cannot be doing this out of the goodness of your heart. And also you're not making any money from this. Like why, right? What's your motivation here, really? Really, exactly. Like I literally had people ask me, city or otherwise, like, what's your agenda? Manji, you must have an agenda, right? So, and I think that that's what those initial years really, um, uh, all the way, like, I think we really, when we really picked up momentum was about 2015. Um, but I think it was by then we had, honestly, um, how would I say? I think it was persistence, mm. <laughs> right? You're saying, how did we do that integration with the city? It was, first of all, there was, there were champions. We just found the champions. It's always that way in anything we do. Is it not, Richard? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, like, you know, when you're when you you, you look and you sort of um, build relationships, but you start by just knocking on doors, right? You you knock on doors and you sort of see where there's some reciprocity, where there's just sort of a side door I can go into and have a conversation with someone. And that person sort of says, oh, you need, really need to talk to this person. You really need to talk to this person. So that's how we built our our. Um, you know, web across the cities, whether it was at the grassroots level with citizens or whether it was within the city with politicians or other sectors, right? It was just a lot of, can we go to lunch? Can we go to coffee? I'd like to talk to you about this. Um, and then, you know, then we would, we just had this huge cadre of people who just started to say yes. And we just built this reputation of trust, I think, and a real relational energy, right? A real sort of like being a connective tissue. Um, and so, so yeah, so became quite trusted by a lot. Of, and I think trusted by, by folks within the, the, the city as well. I mean, one of the examples of that trust was when after the, the 2015 municipal election, you know, five of the progressive, I would say, um, you know, um, urban councillors came together and wanted to work with us. And we designed actually before budget consultations, like a budget 101. And, you know, you would think who wants to like, usually at the city, maybe like 20 people showed up for a budget consultation, maybe 10 sometimes. I mean, we had like 100. At one of them, 120 in one ward show up for understanding the budget, right? So you knew that 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 there was a trust being built with citizens, with counselors, you know, that we could deliver something in a way that could be could help people understand, but could also really help have that flow of information be two ways and be respectful. You bring up two very important things that I try to do personally. And I'm glad that my approaches have been validated by what you just said, which is one of them is legwork, right? You, you got to put in the legwork. It, it takes time. It's not going to be a, a magic pill or anything along those lines where you're just going to make one call kind of deal and, and you'll have that relationship established right away. It takes time and it takes work. And the other one is this idea of trust. And, and a lot of people, when I try to explain open government and open data to them, I just say it's trust with your government. It's as simple as that. And I even did a short film on this very premise, trying to explain open government as trust. And and it's it's and I, that's why I was a I really wanted to do this episode with you because I remember my experience with the boot camp and the amazing work that you were you guys were able to do. And it's great to hear those stories. Now, before we switch over to the rebranding into Synapse City, which we only have a handful of moments here. I just realized I, I lost track of time personally. We technically have a hard stop in about 10 minutes. Okay. Do we have a hard stop in 10 minutes or can you go on a little bit further than that? Um, I can go on a bit further, but it's good to know that it can't be much more than 10 minutes because, you know, I could tell you so many stories. We could be here for another hour. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So uh, then, then let's go right into Synapse City because there, there's quite a bit to, to unpack there as well. So you're doing this great work and all of a sudden, I think there's a contest that presents itself with a branding company. Please, please tell me what, what happened there. So you know about the contest. I, I <laughs> <laughs> well, what it, it was, um, 
we had been actually, that was just a beautiful opportunity. Uh, but let me just a little bit of a backstory would be that we, um, we had been thinking about whether we needed a name change. Um, oh, you know, okay, really? Yeah. Like this is yeah. something that was lingering in the background. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. We had had discussions about whether we needed a name change. Um, you know, there was, there was, um, we were always listening. Our ear was always to the ground. I think that's what's always our strength has been is, you know, and so we'd heard things like, well, Citizens Academy, right? Some of us had concerns that it was too academic and yet our boot camp was not academic and our other programs like Citizens Chats or some of our placemaking things um, and workshops that we did weren't um, necessarily academic. So we we, we had that concern, you know, that it might be too much of an ivory tower type of a thing for some people. Um, we also had some concerns because we thought maybe the focus has become too much about, you know, only learning and doing like, like, let's say, civic literacy programs, etc. And we had visions of so much more, right? Um, so we wanted a name that could perhaps um, encompass and also have the flexibility of, of encompassing all of our broader visions, let's say, right? Um, and that could learn, yeah, basically to so the root of our values. And we didn't know what that name could be, but those were some of the discussions that had taken place. Other things that also had come up were some people were like, well, guess what? You know, um, some of the people that participate in your programs aren't citizens of this country. They're mm -hmm. residents of a city. Mm -hmm. So Citizens Academy is actually not inclusive, right? So those are just some of the things that I remember. So we had really been thinking about it. So I, um, uh, yeah, and, and we didn't know exactly what to, how to go about doing it. And then this opportunity came up with this incredible communications and website and design um, um, company called Stiff. And they picked a not-for-profit each year to, to actually help them not necessarily rebrand, but to actually create a new website and all of those things, which we needed because we'd never had money to do it very well. So, yeah, I went in and talked to them. And I think they called me within a week and said, we want to work with you because we think this concept is amazing. Um, and they literally worked with us for, like, I think, about six months, if not oh, wow. longer. To, to, to really understand the fiber of our being and um, um, to come up with a name and, and sort of pitch it to us because it was, you know, um, and, and come up with like a whole strategy around who we were basically. Did you actually submit a contest and you won and they said, we want to expand on the parameters of the contest? Or was it like you actually lost, but they liked the idea so much that they said, we got to help you here as well? No, I guess we won the contest. Yeah. So they, okay. I, I don't know how many other not-for-profits had actually, um, you know, um, approached them. Uh, but we certainly were told that, that we won. Yes, I guess won would be the right thing. So it feels always badly because you think, oh my gosh, was there some other organization that was more worthy or deserving? But um, they chose to work with us. And um, it was a very um, challenging and actually exhilarating experience. Talk about those challenges a little bit, because I know you've been five years with this concept of Citizens Academy in your head. And sometimes there's a fear in rebranding that you're going to lose your audience that you've worked so hard to garner, especially with such a very different name. Yes. So, so talk a little bit about sort of perhaps some of the reservations that, that, that you guys had in 
are we ready to to take this plunge? Or was it really simple? Like we're ready to jettison Citizens Academy because we just don't like it. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, there's always mixed emotions, aren't there? Um, you know, uh, Richard and I. And I think that um, you know we were all five of us at that time. I think were and and at that time we you know our staff as well. I mean, at that by that point, I think I was the executive director. I think, <laughs> um, you know, and because we had yes, and then we had a program director as well and um, a, a communications staff member. So we were still very small, but we were all um, ready. We really were with within the internal conversations. We were ready for a name change. Um, as I said, we wanted something with more flexibility and really represented those values of connectivity, right? And so, so we. What was challenging though about it was when I said challenging and exhilarating was the actual experience, right? Because mm. if the team at Stiff was actually asking us all of these questions about why we did what we like, it was it was living the the formation of citizens academy all over again right to then articulate now everything we'd experienced in four or five years like because we started that process in um 2016 actually so so to to relive from 2000 let's say like citizens academy was actually launched in 2013 our legwork took um from the fall of 2011 to all of 2012, right? We did, we weren't in existence until really 2013. So, um, yeah. So we had to reiterate. We had to dive deep into ourselves about what we stood for, why it was so important, and what we could envision in the future. Um, all of those things, right? Um, and helping articulate to someone who didn't get us at all at the beginning, right? That's what was challenging, but then also exhilarating to actually talk about what we had accomplished thus far too. Um, and they were incredible because they got us, like they grilled us and they grilled <laughs> us. Um, and then they wouldn't, they didn't tell us anything. That's what was beautiful. They did like an unveiling of the name and oh. yeah, they did an unveiling of the name with even sort of like the sort of color strategy and the name and the logo and stuff. And we cried around. Oh, wow. It was really like we did. Some of us yeah. cried because it, it, we got it. Like we it was got, like a home makeover that, that moment. Well, it was. And I think it hit home again. Like, yeah. I know that sounds bizarre, but I think we felt that they got us. We felt mm. that their the, the language that they were introducing they 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 simplified everything that all the stories we were telling into a simpler language you know um, yeah it was it was just beautiful and 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 the more I think about it now like although many people said to us why did you change your name we had people who said to us Citizens Academy was better it was very clear what you were and who you were right. Um, for us, I think where we were, we loved it because at our heart, we had always thought about the fact that a city is its people, right? So you are the city, the people. And we were always about bridging the silos. And we were always talking about the relational element of cities. And if that people aren't healthy, how can a city be healthy and happy? 
right? So that a city doesn't reach its potential until we all work together to reach our own potential and our potential together. So when, you know, so being, that's what I meant, that it was exhilarating and challenging to talk about some of these things. And then when they got it, and then the, the concept of Synapse City was just like it connected to our hearts about how we were about building the connective tissue you know, of a city to build co collaborations, to build coherency and to build dialogue and better public discourse, basically. So there's something about this process that intrigues me a little bit, which is we talked about trust earlier and the trust that a city has to have with its citizens and creating that relationship. You put a lot of trust into this company called Stiff and Rebranding Citizens Academy because while you were part of the process, you were not actually part of the results and the product. What would have been sort of your response or what, it's, it's a bit of a weird question to ask, but let's say you didn't like what they had to offer and you had to sort of take it. Do you think Synapse City would still be around? Oh, wow. Um, okay, well, first of all, we, we could have said no. Of course we could have said no. Um, I think we always felt that we could say no. I mean, it's our, it was our organization, right? Um, so I think we could always say no and could have said no, just build up a, a, a website, you know, and um, a new website and we're going to keep the name or whatever have you. We don't like it. So we never felt that we didn't have choice. And yeah, we did trust them. But I, I, maybe that's, that's what's so great about the Fabulous Five co-founders. Co <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, just because I think I and and the community that we built and the staff that we had, right? Because we were really open to seeing what we communicated, what that meant to somebody else, and trusting them in coming back to us with what they heard um, and what we could be. And you know, so and 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 we did. We all loved it. Um, it was different, and it was a little weird, of course. So there's a shock value too, right? Um, and and it took some time, I think, getting used to it. But like I say, the longer that I sort of live with it and hear it, the more I feel like, yeah, it's about those synapses, you know, that happen in a city. They create magic. There's a serendipity, right? There's a serendipity to these synapses. So the more we can create places where people can bump into each other um, from all walks of life, but also create spaces where the city, the citizen, where democracy can actually sort of happen in everyday moments, you know, the more resilient that city is going to be. Yeah, I, I, again, I love the name as well, because I, I, might, I said earlier in, in our, before we were recording, I believe that my background is actually in education and actually it's in health education. So how the brain works and synapses and the connections that you make, the, the analogy is very appropriate for, for the work that you were doing. And obviously, Stiff did amazing work putting it together. And I guess my question was more, and I asked it very poorly. I'm still learning my interviewing skills as you've come to learn. Because I was going to say, did I answer your question? Probably not. Because <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I asked the question properly. And I think what I meant to ask was more along the lines of, you were not necessarily part in the process of developing the product, the, the new brand. You were part of the process in describing what the institution was. Stiff took all that and created the new brand, the color scheme, the logo, the name, and whatnot. Do you think if the Fabulous Five were part of that process of brainstorming a name, 
d- detecting colors and or start choosing colors and things like that, do you think you would have gone to the exact same result at the very end, or or once again was re- relinquishing that task to the professionals, which is something that's very hard to do. You see it in television all the time with the big networks, right? They'll send notes and things like that on how to make a show better. And it spoils the artist's work. Yeah. Um, you know, when I say that we, re- you said we relinquish, and I guess going back, I, I don't know if we completely relinquish, right? Like when I say it was a six month process, right? I mean, we even gave them, I'm pretty sure we had thought brainstormed names before, but we, we, you know, and we gave them to them. Like we sort of said, we're thinking this way, but none, not, none of them attracted us or engaged our hearts enough, I think. So that's why I think we were happy to relinquish. (laughs) Sometimes we're so close to it, right? When we're so close to a project and you've incubated something for so long, that gestation period, um, it's almost like nothing can be, you don't even know how to think about it anymore, if I can say that, right? Because you're so married to it or you're so close to it. So I think we were happy to have a little bit of space, but, you know, we would meet with them monthly. Sometimes they'd say, we need to meet you again. Like, so we were involved in that aspect very much so, but I think we let their creative process and juices run, I think. Um, And we were very pleased. Well, our time is definitely up. Uh, but before we close out the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity. If, if there's anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about or that you feel that you should mention about some of the work you're doing now and, and, and just about, you know, you have carte blanche for, for the next is my next question. What do you want? What do you want to talk about as we close the episode? <laughs> oh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> or what do you want to mention that we haven't mentioned yet about the projects uh, the, or anything that you're doing right now? Maybe. I know you're no longer actively involved as way the way you were with Synapse City, but maybe you're working on something different, perhaps. Um, gosh, um, I, I think the most important thing would be here is that you know we well, there was five of us as co-founders, but um, Synapse City really is about all of the people who engaged. I remember, like, there's just thousands at this point in time of people who have gone through the boot camp or the different programs that we've run, workshops that we've run, conversations about the city that we've run. Um, and they all have, I mean, just, there's been an incredible amount of volunteer energy that's gone into this. Um, the donors have been incredible. Um, you know, um, the last, uh, like in 2016, we literally got a grant of $650,000 from the Ontario Trillium Foundation that really helped expand our work so that we couldn't have done it without that. But I think the early donors and the early, early believers um, really made this happen. Um, and the early folks who showed up to a boot camp, like, why would citizens show up to a boot camp, right? About, to learn about how interacting and learn about the city. So I, I say thank you um, to, to, to all of them because they believed in something that we weren't even quite sure what we were creating yet, right? That's magic to me, to, to, to be, believe in something and the power of something, but not really quite know. Right. So and 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 so, yeah, that's what I would say. And I mean, we haven't talked about all of the things and other programs that 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 Synapsity does, but and, and how it, the, the boot camp itself has grown into almost like a city citizen lab, basically. Um, but that can be another episode. See, look, look, look at that. <laughs> oh, I was, believe you me, 
Like you're, you're sort of putting, you know, the car in front of the horses, because I was going to ask you, like, we got to do another episode and continue this conversation and, and, yeah. and pull on some of those threads that we were talking yeah. about here. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I would say, since we are doing this, this interview, um, Richard, during this time of COVID, you know, and also all of the unrest around um, belonging and racism that's happening in the world today. Um, you know, we had started out Citizens Academy back in like, you know, 2012 or 2011, talking about how our time has come to build, you know, more collaborations and understanding between so many of us, right, especially government. I think that building that type of coherency and that kind of collaboration during a time of deep disruption is even more important, right? Like, it's just so, so vital, this kind of work. Um, and, and building that kind of trust that we can actually all take the actions as individuals, as communities, as neighbors, and as cities or as countries that will, will just make more of us thrive. And I think that's, that's what city making is all about. It's about all of us making our city better every day through our own decisions, through our um, actions that we do every day. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm um, you know, I left Synapsity because of, um, of an actual injury and health reasons, um, but I'm deeply committed to, 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 its, um, um, to its success. Well, you've done some amazing work and you continue to do some amazing work and whatever structure, vehicle that you do this amazing work with, we're glad that you're doing it and sort of leading the charge and, and bringing about change. And like you were saying, especially now when people are looking for alternatives. So thank you for so much for telling us your journey today. Well, thanks for, for having me. And yeah, I think change and creating change is uh, deep in my DNA. <laughs> and <laughs> I thank right. you, Richard. I thank you for the opportunity. It's been a real pleasure. And thanks for all the wonderful work that you do. Well, you're very kind to say so. And, and we're being very Canadian right now and saying thank yous and pleases <laughs> and sorries. But um, so, and, and as usual, this is how I typically end an episode. As part of saying thank you, I want to thank our audience for listening. And as usual, please leave a rating or a comment on how to make the podcast better or if there's any guests or any stories that you'd like to hear. So until next time, let's make it open. <laughs>